I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ring RC. I'm Musa Ponga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing since yesterday? <laughs> it's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday, what? <laughs> Stadio on a Friday. <laughs> it's a vibe, I like it. Stadio on a Friday is a vibe. Actually. It is a vibe. We'll probably do a couple more Friday ones over the rest of the season. Yeah, just given the action, yes. How are you? Very good, actually. Yeah, Berlin is... Lovely at the moment. Weather is just warming up nicely, 18, 19 degrees, and uh, yeah, peaceful city. Really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, we hope everyone stays safe, staying well, obviously, since yesterday. Uh, if you haven't checked it already, check Thursday's Stadio about this week's Champions League games. Uh, today, we are going to talk about the first legs of the Europa League and the Conference League semi finals. Everything's really in the balance. Yeah, very much so. Very intriguing. We'll also talk about a couple of other games and we'll talk about the big news that Jurgen Klopp has extended his contract to Liverpool. Oh, what a day to be a Liverpool fan. What a oh time to be a Liverpool what fan. What a decade. What a decade wow. to be a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get on to the, all of that after this. All right. And where should we begin? Should we, should we start with the Europa League and then move on to the Conference League? Although I do think that the, probably the game of the night was in the Conference League. It was, yeah. And the two most extra set of fans maybe in Europe for the final of Marseille. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you want to do? Do you want to, do, do you want to start do you want to start with final Marseille or do you want to start with the Europa League and then we'll do the Conference League? I think out of respect for the Europa League, we start with that. Yeah. Yes. Respect the Europa League. Respect, that should just respect. be the tagline. Listen, if it didn't have respect before, it certainly got it now. Maybe West Ham, Eintracht. Yeah. Maybe start with that. 
Eintracht winning this 2-1 and this is a team in a hurry. It's so interesting how under Glasner, Eintracht has basically kind of recovered the mantle of being that cup team or retained it. Like, you know, with Niko Kovac being so, so strong in the cups. And Glasner, I think the thing he loves about coaching, Oliver Glasner, the thing he loves about coaching Eintracht in cup competitions is he really gets to do all his tactical fiddling. But I think what's interesting about them in the Europa League is you've seen this are the tacticals of the ferocity, really. I mean, like, there's not many mm. teams that will go to that stadium and go at West Ham like they did. They just have no respect at this point. They're probably the most disrespectful team in Europe at this point. That's so funny you said that because I was literally about to say that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they came straight out of the blocks. We're in the, in the lead, what, in 90 seconds? Mm. And a lovely, lovely goal from Knauf on loan from Dortmund. Who, to be honest, is someone who Dortmund could have probably done with this year, considering the injuries they've had, they've had down that right-hand side. You know, Marius Wolf, for example. I don't want to turn this into a Dortmund thing already, but Marius Wolf has played in advanced positions and defensive positions on that right-hand side. I don't understand the loan thing. I, I get it from his perspective. I mean, he's played all year. That's the thing. So yeah, fair enough. I, I assume he's young. he is young as well. He is young. young. I hope that he comes back and slots straight into that Dortmund side, because I think this year has done him really... He's done, in the, he's done in the world of good and especially with Eintracht's progression through to this stage of the competition and potentially they might make it to the final. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's still another leg to go. But um, just a, a, a statement of intent from the jump from Eintracht's. And it was, a, from a West Ham point of view, it was such a shame because there was such an amazing atmosphere before the game and when you're into the first semi-final in what over 40 years European semi-final over 40 years since you last played I played Eintracht the last time as well actually oh wow and it's probably well it is the biggest night in that new stadium for West Ham fans and then to kind of see all of that optimism just get sucked out of the stadium after 90 seconds was a, was a real shame for them but then I actually thought they got, into the, got back into the game really well they didn't panic too much. They hit the post a few times. That final one, obviously, from Jared Bowen right yeah, at the end. Great effort. They, they, they were good value for a draw as well, to be honest. They were. I think the game was so tight in terms, and quite finely balanced, I think, in terms of different periods of the game. Each side kind of had, was building some quite nice mm, momentum. There's a lot of flow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kamada hit the post for Eintracht as well off that deflected shot. I think a draw... Or, to be honest, a single goal lead from either side wouldn't have been a massive travesty. It's hard work for West Ham. They're going there now. It's hard work. Well, this, work is, this is my concern. I mean, let's talk about the goals first. The West Ham goal to get back into it was, this was such a we're back in it Euro European tie goal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of like a couple of players going for it at the back post. Kevin Trapp about a yard and a half over his line trying to scoop it out. <laughs> yes. And, and hoping that no one noticed. And then um, just absolute pandemonium at West Ham. There were some really horrible reports from the ARD commentary team, who this is a German broadcaster, who were attacked by some West Ham fans after the West Ham goal, I believe. Derek Ray posted a thread about it. I reposted it. They ended up having to be moved from their commentary position, but there was, they were really concerned about the lack of protection around them. And mm. I don't know. It's just such a shame when you hear something like that, that Mars such a special occasion for a club. Mm. Not something you want to hear. The rest of the fans made it a very, very tasty atmosphere. Sorry, I should just say, by the way, it was Mikhail Antonio, for those who missed it, who yeah. poached the goal at the back post. Kurt Zuma with the header across. After half time, I think Eintracht had a chance really early after half time, and it kind of looked like West Ham had been caught on their heels again. And then the goal that put them in the lead, uh, Kamada's goal, 
was so well worked. It was actually probably the best movie of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really open you up well, Eintracht. And I think what I'm, I'm, I'm so happy Kamada scored in particular because he's someone who, like him and Kostic, don't get as much attention, I think, outside Germany as they deserve. I agree. They're, 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 those two, those two is an attacking combo. And I, I just love the run he made to follow up for, for the goal. And he virtually walked it in. But it was a mm. really great, like, really great room they created for the shot. Jasmine Baba wrote a great piece for yeah. DW about Kostic, actually. Yeah, it's great, and actually. Really That's an good. excellent piece of analysis yeah. that she put in. Um, he's sort of playing the wing-back role. Um, mm. But yeah, a really, really great goal. Uh, great opening. They worked for the shot and uh, Kamada just followed up um, and sort of walked into an empty net. That was still quite early, though, in the game. Uh, in, yeah, it was only 54th minute. Still quite early. And then West Ham, actually, at that point, I think, four nows is impressive, too, in particular. Mm. They really, like, just ground away and in, in a style they've been doing all year. And I think David Moyes at this point, this is someone who, if we just like freeze frame and remember the protests, like just, pre, just prior to the sort of the, the lockdown and everything, if we remember where West Ham were there and now, the fact that like David Moyes' appointment was extremely underwhelming for a lot of people. Including us. You know, he needed a win. This was not, it wasn't, it wasn't a last chance saloon for Moyes. I'm not saying this dramatic, but. He needed... I don't think it was far off though, mate. He needed a redemptive. He, need, he needed something where... Because like, certain managers have been sidelined quite quickly. Because he'd had that period at Sunderland as well that was hugely underwhelming. Yeah. And, had, and, and he hadn't managed since the last time he'd managed West Ham, which was not a successful period. And I think that was the thing for West Ham fans. We've talked about this quite a lot on Wright's yeah, House yeah, and on Stadio yeah, before, yeah. but West Ham fans were rightly underwhelmed by mm. the appointment. I think two things can, you know, two things can be true. Can you can be, be, yeah. you can be yeah. underwhelmed by an appointment and it turns out to be a great one. This is the thing, I don't think anyone got it wrong when he turned up because all of the evidence was there that he was probably not the right guy to push them forward. But the fact that he has, he deserves a huge amount of credit for it. We said it numerous times before. Yeah. And actually, I think after the commander goal, going back to the game, yeah. West Ham had this like 10 or 15 minute period. I think it might have been that long that they really seemed to be in Eintracht's half. Yeah. And just didn't really create they didn't they didn't have Eintracht on the ropes enough for the amount of territorial possession that they had for that period. I don't want to sound disrespectful to the players who've got West Ham to this point because they they've been brilliant. I just wonder, you know that one of the most useless pieces of business is is the retention of Jesse Lingard, right? At mm. Manchester United. And I'm just saying that the extra and I'm saying this out of all respect to West Ham fans, just like this extra joker in the pack. Oh, he would have been amazing for them. This is what I mean, this extra joke in the pack to, to inject this energy, to, because the margins at this point are so small. We, we've seen with Lewis Diaz, like for Liverpool, mm. the impact that he makes when he comes in, either as a starter mm. off the bench. And I just, that was my one worry watching West Ham was like, are you going to have that extra goal from somewhere? That extra sort of cutting edge? And, it, and what I will say as well is quite interesting. I wonder with this deep Europa League run that they've made, and they you know, may still end up in the final, very much, very, very easily could go to the final. I wonder what players they're now going to start attracting after this, because agents now must be looking at West Ham and going, even more so than like two years ago, even more so agents now must be, must be going, that is an absolute destination. It's really exciting what they've built there. It really is. I mean, the thing is though, well, before we move on to what we think about the second leg, just shout out Jarrod Bowen for that. Potential outrageous effort. Potential Puskas award. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even if this didn't go straight in, this so could have gone in off the back of Kevin Trapp. It kind yes, of brushes, it brushes yeah, yeah, his yeah. backside on the way out as well. Yeah. And he he almost uh, on the slow mo. It looks like he 
I don't think he intentionally does it, but I think it's more instinctive maybe. It looks like he tries to maybe arch his back a little bit, almost like a high jumper. Mm. Because he knows that the ball's bounced somewhere and he's trying to just like, you know, make yourself liquid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And get out of the way of it. And it kind of brushes his his bum. It's absolutely traveling as well. He really catches it clean. God. Can you imagine though? The noise. I don't know why I'm doing this because this is just cruel. But if that had gone in at that stage of the, the, of the game, would have gone in stoppage time. That effort, it would have been. You could have heard that from Hackney. You could have heard that roaring from. You could have that would have gone off. Heard it from Kew Gardens. <laughs> so West Ham are still in this. They will be really encouraged by the knowledge that they went to Leon and did them three 0 there. Mm. However, Eintracht at home on a European night is a very different prospect. Actually, no, just no disrespect to Leon. In Europe, they seem to just really click Eintracht. Yeah. And it's uh, easy to forget as well that even though German stadiums have been full-ish since the turn of the year, they haven't been fully full until very, very recently. And ultras have only just returned to the stadiums in Germany, which means that there is still this real sense of, what's the word? Yeah, novelty, I suppose. The fact that they've been away for two years. Mm. That place will be extremely intimidating. Expect TIFOs, expect pyro expect a lot of noise and I think they can do it West Ham however it's ex- it's going to be an extremely tough ask yeah yeah that is that is because the thing about Eintracht this season is that they have been a side of extremes they had a really really poor start to the season where they didn't win a comp- they didn't win a game in all competitions until they beat Antwerp in at the end of September they've had these really good results but then they lost a Hertha at home they beat Bayern away They've not really buried teams, like in terms of a lot of goals, maybe a bar, I think they stuck four past Hertha when they played them in the Olympia Stadion, but I can't remember them scoring more than that this season. And that was only once, I think. Might be wrong. I have to go back and check the results. But even on this patch of form now, they beat Barcelona and they beat West Ham, but they haven't won a game other than that since they beat Bochum in the Bundesliga on the 13th of March. So the European form, and their Bundesliga form has kind of been quite different. I mean, that's, that's, that's the look of a team that really is just focusing on, on the big prize, isn't it? Well, it's their, it's their only route back into Europe because they're not going to get into the European spots in the Bundesliga. Mm. It's going to be a tough ask for West Ham. They really, needed, so. they really needed to take a lead to Frankfurt, I think. I agree. But I agree. not impossible. So. Could end up with an all-German final. We could. Well, let's segue onto that because RB Leipzig left it late to beat Rangers at the Red Bull Arena. Domenico Tedesco after the game, he didn't look too happy. I, do you know what? I really enjoyed Tedesco's post-match interviews. I didn't see them. I didn't see He's them. a serious football man. He's a serious football man. And the thing <laughs> that was quite funny, on it was on RTL in Germany. Mm. And the panel was not dressed in the way that you would expect a German broadcaster on a European night to be dressed, let's say. <laughs> no suits and white trainers, basically. There was someone who had to, whose name thing came up and it was an alias and had his, his Twitter, the number of Twitter followers he had. You know, there, was a, there was a yellow jacket, these old school thick rimmed glasses. There was a lot going on. And then Tedesco just comes up dressed in all black, black, a super tight fitting black suit and a black, not quite a roll neck, but a, mm. you know, the half neck. Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, 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 it yeah, the half, yeah. The half, yeah, the half mask. Because yeah. I always thought that's a turtleneck and the roll neck is the roll. That's what I always referred to when I was younger. I mean, people just being free and easy at this point. So yeah, this is the half, is the half. Well, the yeah, half they're neck. not worried about freeing their own necks. They're not. Right, they're not. <laughs> um, 
What was it? Avenger said, freedom of movement, freedom walking of in the woods. I can't believe he said that about Rolnick. This was ridiculous. <laughs> but he just comes across, he's, he's super intense in the mm. post-match interview. He was, and he, was, he wasn't happy. He was like, we need to play quicker. We were too slow. And I think that's right. They laboured a little bit, Leipzig, in this game. Mankuku had one chance. Really good effort, yeah. Well, no, really good scored, opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On his, especially on his form and the style of play. Yeah, Lima had a couple of chances. A couple of chances that he got through. Uh, Emil Forsberg with a completely contrasting overhead kick attempt to Jared Bowens, which was just. I love Emil Forsberg. Not the time, though. That was not the time to be doing that. But then Angelino with an unbelievable goal. Beauty. Corner gets headed out, and Angelino on the volley left foot. One of the the European goals this season, that. It was a great goal, that really good goal but again like for context and timing and stuff like that that's that's an unbelievable goal yeah Rangers very resilient I have to say and given Leipzig's form under Tedesco and the direction they're pushing this is actually a subpar result for Leipzig oh, massively. they'd want yeah. to get like a 2-0 out of this I would say for them a par for the course was a 2-0 well for all the possession they had they had 70% of the ball it's a huge yeah, it's virtually you virtually have it all the time at that point yeah four shots on target but they just didn't create enough I don't think for that again quite similar to when West Ham had that period of play where they should probably should have created more mm. Le- Leipzig was the same and that again going to Ibrox that's going to be an atmosphere and experience that not a lot of those Leipzig players have experienced before mm. interesting I mean Dortmund struggled to hang with, with them at Ibrox there's something about the way that Tedesco has got Leipzig clicking since he came in, though, bar the odd. I mean, they had a really disappointing result last weekend at home to Union. You could see there was still a bit, I don't want to use a Wengerism, but there was a little bit, they were a little bit handbrakey. That's interesting. I wonder if, you know, that's going to be a problem because if you look at what Rangers have done in the domestic cups, they might fly out. This, this might be one of those ones where they come out like intense in the, in the home leg and have a different approach. You know, like Atleti have those contrasting styles. Atleti were basically like lock up, shop away. And at their place, they really like go at you from the first 10, 15. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Rangers do something similar when they get back to theirs. Well, I think this is the interesting thing about the Conference League and the Europa League at the moment is that you have teams with a real history of going deep in European competitions at various points, like Rangers, Cup Winners' Cup in the 70s, UEFA Cup finalists. There's a history there, like in the Conference League when you have Marseille and Feyenoord and all of these yeah, sides. Yeah. It feels quite heritage. I must say, I do like... I think it's been really interesting, actually. Yeah, I, I must say, you know, we've been critical of UEFA in you know, rightly so in many ways, but this is a thing that I, I enjoy. I'm not, and I haven't seen as many criticisms of player fatigue as I thought I'd see, or fixture clogging. I have fixture congestion. I haven't seen as many as I expected. I've seen a few, but not like... Like clubs like Union being in Europe, that was a huge deal. This is the thing. It's, it's that middle class of clubs, which sounds yeah. like a really disrespectful thing to say, but it's not. It's, it's the clubs who aren't fatigued by regular European qualification or Ooh. they haven't maybe made it into the Champions League every year or they've seen the super clubs vanish from the view. Mm. That's been the great thing about the Conference League. I mean, and the Europa League, to be fair. You look like Gary Lineker literally stepped out of presenting Champions League on BT because he fancied going and following... Leicester around Europe in the Conference League. Oh yeah, shout out to Leicester actually. Shout out to Leicester. I mean, that's we'll kind of wild to, if you think about it. Moment. Yeah, yeah. Because, especially great. because this is a side that were in the Champions League not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all in the balance in the Europa League, much like the Conference League. And we mentioned Leicester, but let's go to Rotterdam first. Yes. A smoky, smoky, smoky Rotterdam. <laughs> Genuinely an unbelievable 
unbelievable scenes at the start of this game you might have noticed that it is our artwork if you have if you want to see the full one go to our instagram stadio football or stadio on twitter to see the the wider picture this was the game of the night i thought yeah without question i would say uh final three marseille two couple of quick goals in in succession for uh Feyenoord. once again proving that men are too emotional to defend <laughs> <laughs> I got to say that forward line, the Firedord forward nine, obviously including Reese Nelson. He's having a great old time in Holland. There's a great advert for like uh, Brits abroad. Really imp- impressive fluidity from them. They really just got into Marseille early on. Mm-hmm. That is, a, you, know, you talk about, this is the thing about this game. This is a classic big, you know, in quotes, hashtags of big European night. All those ingredients, fire and orders we know, they're very intense support. Marseille, rowdy bunch too. Um, and the return leg's going to be incredible, obviously. I think the combined fan atmosphere over these two legs will be as good as you'll find mm. in the late stages of the European tournament. And they just flew out at them. They had such great fluidity, actually. Um, a feature of, I think, this round is really good wide play. I should have mentioned the last game. Ryan Kent was really impressive for Rangers pulling wide um, for them against Leipzig, getting some joy in the flanks. And I think, again, this is a feature of this game. Like, the wide forwards for Feyenoord really just... Gave Marseille tremendous problems early mm. on and destabilised them. And actually, I suppose we can say the way that Marseille started both halves is what did for them here. There was a real lack of intensity, which is, you wouldn't expect that from a Sampaoli team, actually. Uh, yeah, that, that third goal was strange. I mean, it's more of an individual error than a... But having said that, the, the approach there, the approach of Marseille starting the second half, the crucial... Uh, and end up being the winning goal um, conceded when Marseille basically passed the ball all the way back from the halfway line. Awful back pass. But even that was kind of an attempt, I think, to take the sting out of the game. Because if you're kicking off like that, right, the, the instruction from Sampoli must be like, okay, you know what? We've just got back into this. We went 2-0 down. We brought it back to 2-2 just before half time. Let's just like regulate possession. And I suppose that, I don't know if I've seen enough of Marseille this year to make this call, but this is maybe a team with like quite no, not quite enough chill. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, if Grendozi is your like, like Grendozi has been brilliant in many respects, but he is not someone that. Um... <laughs> no, to be fair to Marseille, yeah, any yeah. San Paoli team is going to be an emotional team. You need it. It's the atmosphere as well, though. The atmosphere yeah. was absolutely overwhelming. Like, and I think at some level, they're probably just happy to be back in the game. It's not much on discipline. It's more just like match control. So the front three, um, Sinistera, Dessas, sorry, and Nelson were like outstanding in this game and really went at Marseille, who couldn't really establish sort of match control, midfield control, but they pulled themselves back into it, two at the half. And it was funny because when they got that goal, the final start of the second half, I expected like a burst more and it, there wasn't a breakthrough after that. So I think Actually, when Marseille get back to theirs, they can almost be a bit relieved, I think. I mean, for Marseille, going back to the Velodrome with only a goal in it, that's nothing for them. I mean, still one of the top five stadiums I've ever been in. They dealt with the atmosphere there in in Rotterdam pretty well because that is a really intimidating place to go. And this is Mm. the intriguing thing about this tie is that maybe because of the intimidating nature of both stadiums, each side will be able to deal with it a little bit better. Because I think, like for example, like Marseille played football. You know, yeah, they they yeah, didn't yeah. really it was a one error that cost them the game, really. They could have got away with this with the draw easy. Yeah. They were never really overawed. They weren't overawed. No, they were never overawed. And I think yeah. a lot of sides can go there and be overawed because it can be an extremely intimidating place to go to. Much like the Velodrome when it's on 
when it's on full song and I was going to say on fire. But, 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 Which it will be for the second leg, for sure. Exactly. The second leg, yeah. But then again, maybe it might not intimidate final as much as it might do other sides who have a little bit less hostile atmosphere. So Can I say I quite like, I, I do quite like the sort of little nuances tactically here of like Pyatt playing through the middle. I like stuff like that. I just... False Pyatt. The false <laughs> So yeah, that's a, that's a really intriguing title. It's probably the one to, it would have been the one that stood out actually on the fixture list going into the round of fixtures. I mean, I watched, the, the, the main game I watched was actually Manchester United-Chelsea, which shows how good I'm at picking games. By the way, apart from Atalanta, I'm really bad at picking games. Yeah, you're dreadful. You're so bad. <laughs> to you're watch so live? Yeah, I'm so terrible. So I'm so terrible. Bad. Yeah, you're really bad. Yeah. Like, generally speaking on Twitter, if you see me watching a game, run a mile, because I won't have chosen the right one to watch in real time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, thing, the great thing about this game, like we were saying before, I think this could, this could have been a European Cup tie in 1971. You know, and that's yeah. the great thing about the Conference League is that we want to see these sides in Europe. And I just wish that the the finances were a little bit more spread over the competitions because mm. I don't know. We'll probably talk about this around May the tenth or so when they announce the confirmations to the changes in the Champions League because I think it's one we need to get into and we haven't had time to get into it properly. Yeah. But yeah, maybe I'm just too old. Maybe I'm too geriatric millennial. But this is a European tie I want to see. Yeah. I want to see. The, I want to see sides like Marseille in a European semi-final. I want to see Feyenoord in a European semi-final. You know, I want to see Rangers and Celtic and all of these sides in European semi-finals. I want to see them there. That's why I think it's so great to see Villarreal in the semi-final of the Champions League. They've won the games to be there. Yeah. Because we're so used to not seeing sides like Marseille and Feyenoord go this deep for a long, long time. It's just nice. It's just new. It's kind of new again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, and I'm surprised by how much I've taken to these formats, if I'm honest. I've really got into them. And, and the, I think it's, to be honest, that's credit to the players and the teams, the quality of the football. But yeah, let's talk about Leicester and Roma. I was listening to second captains before the games when we got Stadio out on Thursday. And Ken, <laughs> Ken was talking about how in the lead up to the game, it was just a praise off between like Jose Mourinho and Brendan Rodgers. Oh, that's so funny. And there was a moment in this game, which was so amazing, where Mourinho was really trying to kick off. And then he walked back past Rogers, stopped and gave Rogers a hug. <laughs> and I wrote a tweet. The only tweet I wrote about this game was, you know, Mourinho's never too angry to stop and give Rogers a hug. Oh. I think Jose Mourinho genuinely thinks he created Brendan Rogers in a lab. <laughs> the way that he talks about him is just like he's Well like Jordan like Jordan like Jordan and Kobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is probably like the only protege he's ever had, really, if you think about it. Well, he's like that's just like Sir Bobby moment. He's like Sir Bobby and like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watching old Mourinho interviews is just so, it's mind-blowing considering like the man he's turned into. I know, it's mad. Slightly grumpy uncle, but I enjoy it. I do enjoy grumpy uncle Mourinho. Uh, This was actually quite a big deal for Roma to come to Leicester. I think it was quite big for Tammy as well, maybe being back on English soil, getting people to have a look at what he's been up to. uh, He he didn't score tonight, but uh, his movement was very impressive again. Last night. Sorry, last night. Pellegrini, um, arguably the only player who could claim to be on the level consistently as uh, Tammy Abraham this year. Pellegrini and Tammy Abraham probably are the two players of the year, maybe for Roma, I would say. And he got a lovely goal. He, he runs really well. He, he, he's as good as almost any midfielder at making that kind of breaking run, I think, through the middle of the pitch. So yeah, really, really nice goal from Roma. And yeah, the pass from Zaleski was was lovely. Yeah, down the, all down the left, all down the left. Um, they combined really well throughout, to be honest. And they've got a really nice kind of, I really like like those three five twos with the eights, you know, just being complete mm. freedom and they exploit that really well. 
But Leicester did well. Leicester were quite tough and didn't allow them to sort of pull away. Yeah, and Castagna had that one chance before he went off injured, right? Which yeah. I thought was, was, well, I mean, losing him was a big blow. And I think yeah. they actually recovered quite well from it because at that point, Roma were already one up. Yeah. So yeah, I think they dealt with that quite well. Um, Harvey Barnes doing really well down the flanks. Changed the game when he came on, I thought. Yeah, he's, he's, this is the thing about Leicester. They've just got, um, they're recruiting. They have a squad full of work experience, boys. Yeah. <laughs> they really do. And that's not, that's, not, not, that's not a comment on their ability, but just like, oh, here's Harvey. He's going to be spending a week with us this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just very wholesome work experience, lads. You know, and they just seem to always pop in and just, he's brilliant, man. I think he, he did really well for the goal, obviously, the Mancini own goal. But uh, he really injected some life into Leicester again. And, and that second half, I thought they were, they were unlucky maybe not to get another, I think. What is it with them this season? Is it just a stretch squad? Is it just the sheer quality of coaching in the league? I think maybe it's, I don't know if it's the latter. They haven't quite kicked on as I would have expected in the Premier League. I think it's difficult now, though. I think, I think, right, it's just, it's just I think so basically tight, apart from that top three, you could it's have nine clubs that could literally finish in any order below that, I think. That's a good shout. For actually. example, if this season Arsenal had finished ninth, it wouldn't have surprised me. If Spurs had finished seventh, it wouldn't surprise me. If West Ham mm. had finished fifth or finished fifth, it wouldn't have surprised me. Do you know what I mean? The only real surprise, well, it's not really a surprise now since Christmas or since the new year, but Newcastle being there, but obviously because of the influx of money and how Eddie Howe's turned that around, then that's understandable. Because if you think, like, Arsenal have been a, Arsenal have been a bit of a mess on and off, although I think they've kind of settled down. Man United are obviously a bit of a mess. Tottenham have had, have had two managers this season and can't seem, and don't seem to, no one seems to be happy, mm. like truly happy, you know. West Ham are, have been maintaining that vibe from last season, but they've, they've had European competition as well, and they've actually dealt with that pretty well. They're still in European places in the league while maintaining a European charge. Wolves are up there. We know how, how tough Wolves are to beat. You've got Leicester in 10th, but then below them, you've got Brighton and Brentford and Southampton and then Crystal Palace, who we've, we've bigged up this season quite a lot, and then Villa, who we've bigged up quite a lot this season because of Gerrard. And that's taken you all the way down to 15th. Do you know what's wild actually about this? If Leicester end up ninth and get to the Euro- Europa Conference final, that's not that's, that's not that a bad. really good season. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's I like mean, a really isn't it? I mean, maybe I Leicester fans forget. might tell us different, but I I would I would say that that's pretty decent because I think we forget what Leicester have achieved. Actually, I think I sometimes forget. Yeah, I, just I mean, they won the they... FA Cup last year. They beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final. So yeah, it's, it's wild. They, yeah. I think they're yeah. good. Yeah, they're, they're good. They're really yeah. good. Again, another one all to play for. I know this has been quite a wishy washy analysis of these games, but they are so in the balance there's just no I don't think you can call pre- pretty much any of them definitively I gotta say I gotta, I gotta take my hat off to you Afer, for this one because I if you'd said to me that I'd be enjoying these games at this stage and would be like invested in them emotionally I would have been like no I'm not so sure about that yeah I'm just the only thing they fucked up was the league the, the names really you know you can, you're going straight in with another one and arguably the conference league has had more vibes this season so they should have just called it vibes league the vibes league <laughs> Yeah, they should have. They should have. Uh, quickly, elsewhere, Manchester United drew one all with Chelsea in the Premier League. That took the bulk of my attention. I wish it hadn't, but yeah. Marcus Alonso put Chelsea ahead on the hour mark with a lovely volley. And then two minutes later, Cristiano Ronaldo brought the ball down out of the sky and smashed it home. A lovely goal. We should kind of keep it quite brief on this, I think, because this wasn't a massively pivotal game. I said last week to Wrighty after the Chelsea-Arsenal game, it was a game that Arsenal needed to win a hell of a lot more than Chelsea did. And you could kind of see that in the performance. They were a yeah. little bit like, not half-assed, but just lacking that intensity a little bit. Mm. And I think it was the same here, really, because Ralph Rangnick had already said that top four was gone. 
I think Manchester United are, they're kind of just lacking that that um what's the word that um that they're, they're lacking something to play for really because I don't think they they will be too bothered if they get into the Europa League or if they drop out of Europe altogether as a group maybe because it's grim it's it's been a grim it is season grim, for them but yeah. throwing money at a problem without ever fully fixing it hasn't worked for Manchester United but you've seen how much Arsenal even if Arsenal finish fifth this season they've been ahead of schedule and I think a lot of that has been down to them not being in Europe whatsoever mm. having more time on the training ground and with Ten Hag coming in next season he will need as much time on the training ground with those players do you remember like Carlo Ancelotti coming out and just saying like when you're actually playing in Europe and the league you barely get any time on the training ground because you're always travelling you've got rest day and all of this kind of stuff the preseason is essential then to get the structures is, in place yeah so for Manchester United I think yeah they obviously want to win trophies and they've won the Europa League not too long ago but missing out on European football for one year and letting Ten Hag just spend as many hours with those players as possible. For the long term, I think is probably the best thing from a coaching point of view. I know yeah. that you should never take European football for granted, but it's been papering over cracks for so long. Mm. There needs to be a big reset. I Talking of resets, not huge resets, but I'm actually slightly not concerned about Chelsea, but if I look at the way they started the season, obviously the off-field stuff, Abramovich, the sanctions, all of that, that's affected things. I'm not sure, actually, I'm not sure entirely how much it's affected the players. I don't know. But Chelsea, they've lacked a fluidity in attack. Rhys James was great last night, by the way. He was probably the one, the one sort of really big highlight for Chelsea. They're losing some really good defenders. The ones they're not losing are getting old quick, like Thiago Silva. No, I saw Oli Glanville talking about that this is something that Chelsea have done over the last couple of seasons, really, where they've just, their intensity over the last 10 games or so has just dropped off when they've... Mm. Nothing in, to play for. Yeah, yeah. In, especially in the league. But I mean, last season they were pushing for the Champions League. So, and they had a, uh, an FA Cup final. So I think he... They could, have done, they could have done Madrid as well. They could have like... Yeah. They could have, yeah. They could have. It's all about the FA Cup final for them now. Yeah. Keeping sharp, no injuries, making sure you have everyone available because, you know, you're playing one of the best sides in the world. But it has been, I think, quite a tough season for them. So much of that depends on the takeover, which I think is down to three bidders now. And Abramovich has just decided to ramp up the asking price by 500 million to donate to his foundation. Pocket for, change, my God. Which is just absurd at this yeah. stage of the game. So it's been a little bit messy. I mean, they're going to finish third. I don't think anyone's going to catch them. They win the FA Cup. Another trophy for them? Not, yeah, you know. can't knock that. I mean, that's, that's, that's par for the course, I think, for them if they get an FA Cup as well. But yeah, we'll see. In the Women's Super League, Chelsea beat Spurs 2-1. Oh, it's going to be annoying for Arsenal fans. Spurs equalising after Beth England put Chelsea ahead. Keris Harrop equalising just before half-time. And then Sam Kerr <laughs> giving Chelsea the lead again in stoppage time at the end of the first half. A lovely assist from Pinilla Harder. Wow, this ball was unbelievable. But Spurs did okay, I thought. Chelsea at four points clear of Arsenal, having played a game more. Just a couple of games left for Chelsea now. They go to Birmingham on the weekend. Then their final game is at home to Manchester United. Whereas Arsenal host Villa, host Spurs, and then go to West Ham on the final day of the season. So for from an Arsenal point of view, they're probably looking at that Manchester United game for Chelsea and hoping that that'll be the place that they slip up. Who knows, if Arsenal slip up against Villa or Spurs, it'll be done before then. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, 
you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man, let's talk about Kloppo. Yes, he's extended his contract. It will now end in 2026, and that will take him up to a decade at Liverpool, which is incredible. Imagine having Jurgen Klopp in charge of your club for 11 years. If he sees his contract out to the end, it'll be 11 years and a bit. Everything Klopp has achieved was inevitable. This is, this, there, there are mm. very few, few um, sure things in football, right? But the absolute certainty is that whoever got Klopp was going to absolutely soar. There was and I no remember question. this, the day that he had Everyone his first knew. press conference. I was just like, this is Everyone knew. This is going to be good for Liverpool. This is going to be really good. I'm going to do a piece for The Ringer about this because there was a line in his first press conference which really stuck out to me and I think got lost because people were talking, were focusing on the, you know, Klopp says we will win in four years, which they did. They won the Champions League in less than four, less than four years later. He kept saying, he wanted to try to help. And I found it such a fascinating choice of phrase because he repeated it a few times in that press conference. And I think this just goes to Klopp's whole thing. And what makes him so special is that he is fully aware of how important everyone is around him. I watched a, a few interviews with him or when he was talking about coaching and there was one thing that he says, like he never walks into a room and thinks he's an expert. He surrounds himself by experts in, in various things because he's not. But what he... His, his role as a manager is to bring in the right people to cover those, exp those expert areas. And you saw this in the terms of the contract. Klopp's not increasing his salary. Yeah. But his coaching staff are. That was part of the negotiation. The message that sends as well. In the modern era, for a club of Liverpool's size, it is very, very, very hard to generate a connection between club, manager, fans, and the city that it's located in. 
yeah. to this degree. That alignment is extremely rare. But he yeah. did the same thing at Dortmund, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that he asked his agent to then speak to FSG and see if they were interested in extending, now the timing could not be better for him and yeah. for Liverpool. He's an all-timer. He's an all-timer. Without, without question, and it's funny because when Klopp didn't win a couple of the early finals, I remember there were members, you know, just different, different, you know, different fans, right? different clubs were mocking it. And I was like, I know fear when I see it. It's so interesting what fans make fun of. And they generally make fun of things that they're afraid of. Mm. And with Klopp, early Klopp, it was like, oh my God, they, they messed up in that final. I'm like they lost the severe in the Europa League final. That's severe. That's like football royalty. They shouldn't even be there. They shouldn't even be in that final. Like for them to have won that would have been like- At you that know, stage, yeah. Exa- exactly. So I was like, and I had chats with lots of friends about this, like lots of United fan friends. I was like, this is bad. This is, <laughs> this is very bad. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say from an unbiased perspective, I just love his outlook. I love the way he coaches players, improves them year on year. And what I'll say is this, actually, what I really like about Guardiola and Klopp is they have helped to shift the perception that the first thing you do when a team is struggling is sack the manager. Mm. They've helped shift that because if you look at Klopp, Klopp has been that, what, Dortmund, he was a longer serving Dortmund manager, I think. He likes to get stuck into things, right? You know, we call them projects with a cynical phrase, but actually I think you can say, it's fair to say it's a project in the sense of if the project is to align, as you said, those elements, you know, fans, players, manager, and city, that's his project. Mm. He's been successful at that at every single place. And looking at someone like Klopp and the way that he improves players, I wonder if that's empowered other clubs to kind of be like, well, actually, let's place more of an emphasis on, on coaching. Because if you look at the huge signings, right, you look at like the investment in Klopp and how much his contract has cost and his team as well, for like sake of argument. And if you look at, Ryan, the huge money signings, the like 50 million plus signings, and how many of those signings have actually flopped, it is a safer investment, a better investment to just have an incredible coach. Yeah, it absolutely is. Because also we've talked about this before, and especially in the modern game where it feels like the, the clubs that can genuinely win stuff on the regular is becoming the pool of clubs is becoming smaller and smaller. Mm. I think especially for a city like Liverpool and a club like Liverpool, I think this is what uh, is making the Everton struggles even starker in contrast because they kind of had that with Ancelotti. They looked like they'd found their guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to kind of switch this to Everton because I don't want to remind Everton fans of what happened. But obviously for those who didn't follow it so much, but like he really plugged himself into the community at a really difficult time, like during the pandemic. And Klopp, to, Klopp has done the same with Liverpool. You know, uh, I, there was a great piece on The Athletic, I think it was David Ornstein, who was kind of detailing some, some stuff about this. And, you know, him and his wife, Ulla, in the pandemic, going around and dropping Waitrose vouchers into NHS staff. Amazing. Klopp referenced his wife, Ulla, in the, in the announcement video. And I thought it was quite sweet in a way because he said, you know, Ulla wants to stay. What's that great line? How can we leave all these people in 2024? Yeah. How can we do this? And. <laughs> You see so much cold, hard finance business, fuck this shit, I'm out of here, I'm gone. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see a, a manager and a family plug into the real kind of like emotional energy of a city, which I know people taunt because of the whole this means more stuff and all of this kind of shit. But, it's but like, it does, it does. But also I, I do think, there's, I do think there's, there's a real sense of envy 
that goes with a lot of that because oh, of course, all of us yeah. want to feel that connection to our football clubs. It's the Bill Shank. It's the Bill Shankly stuff. It is. It's, it's man, very it is. much, and it's absolutely that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why we're all as football fans, especially when we see our clubs are at a commercial, a certain commercial level. We kind of fear that we won't ever get that again. Mm. And I think that's what Liverpool have done really, really well here. On the men's side, obviously, I hope that they, now that their women's side has been promoted back into the WSL, I really hope that they actually invest in the women's side more. Yeah. Because they really deserve it. I think also Klopp, he does really well on that stuff. He highlighted how, how poor that was from the club not to invest in the women's side. You know, he doesn't shy away from anything like that. It's just, per- it's just a perfect fit. And it is. You know, in that athletic piece, there's a lot of stuff about him feeling like he kind of lost 18 months because of the pandemic. And mm. I mean, we, we talked about it last season where a lot of people were questioning whether he should go. And we were like, they had something like 19 different centre-back partnerships last season. It's bizarre. Like the, an, an obscene amount of injuries. Yeah, and, and also, and, you know, and also just playing behind closed doors. Like for someone like Klopp, like you could see when that season they won the yeah. league. Yeah, they won the league and he put that kind of 30-year wait to bed, whatever. But there was part of him that kind of hated it because no one was there. And that's such a, that's such a thing about Klopp. Like, it is a shared experience. Mm. It's not just him. Like, trophies don't really mean that much to him, I don't think, if no one else gets to enjoy them. And that's why you, you saw that at Dortmund. You've seen that at Liverpool. I'm also glad for the Premier League because the Premier League is better with Klopp, in it? It is wild how close he's pushed Guardiola. It's unbelievable. He's only one point behind him yeah, it's not. since 2018-2019. Genuinely incredible. The top behind that Manchester City, which is basically the final boss. Anything else you want to add on the Klopp thing? Or we're going to get so much stick for just the no, love no, fest but, about Klopp. So but do you know what? what? So, what? Like, so what? He's, I, we, that's we, what's about. That's what it's about. Like Look, one of my favourite Dortmund sides, or favourite non-Arsenal football sides of all time, was that Dortmund side that went to the final in 2013, the Champions League final. Likewise, unbelievable team. Do you know what, I, with the Klopp, the thing about him is, I'll say, actually, I marginally prefer English spoken with a German accent because of him. I actually, I prefer it to English spoken with an accent. One of accent. my favourite things about the thing where he said, uh, you know, FSG thought they'd, it'd be a good idea to get a German fella in. <laughs> it's really interesting seeing his old English now to his new one because he is so scouse. Yes, yes. Some of he's his, so... like, his phrasing is so scouse. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see what Pep does, I think, because... You're seeing two managers now who, you know, they're enjoying themselves. Exude a lot of energy, and they're both stepping into real uncharted territory in terms of how long they've spent a club. Guardiola is anyway. really enjoying the rivalry. He's enjoying yeah. it. He must be loving it. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't have to worry about anything else now. It's just he's got the resources. It's the football, and he's got this brilliant mind to try and outthink every week. Mm. That's the challenge. Like, that's why Pep leaves places, why he goes to others. He loves the challenge. That's what, that's what he does, right? He always seeks that out. Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing about that is that if Pep stays, Klopp's obviously staying. If Tuchel extends as well and stays at Chelsea, Tuchel could build something at Chelsea similar to what Pep and Klopp have built at Liverpool and oh, without question. Man City. Without question. Tuchel is one of the few managers that Chelsea have got in who I think can command that kind of authority at Chelsea, especially with new ownership coming in. And he's that good. And he's that good, yeah. I mean, we said that a thousand times, but I don't think we can fully acknowledge until we step back from it. The fact that we have three of the greatest all-time coaches in the Premier League right now, like in the top three. Tuchel's like one of the greats. He'll go go there, he's there, he'll end up there, but like arguably top three in the world. I don't want to get into this argument. What what I'll say is of the top five... Christian Strike, number one. (laughs) Ha ha, yes, well, 
Anyway, we'll get in trouble. We'll get in trouble. I'll get myself in trouble now. Don't rate managers. Don't rate managers. You know the rules. I don't rate any managers. No, I'm joking. All right, let's get out of here. Friday Stadio. Oh. Goodness me. Dressed down on this Stadio Friday. <laughs> I'm wearing an NTS t-shirt and some tracky bottoms. I might wear my Stadio sweatshirt later today, actually. Look at you. For the first time ever. Yeah. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, don't forget, three stadios next week. On that note, shout out to Jordan Rizzieri, who rightly pulled us up about this, who said, how can we say that we've got three stadios next week and not say three straight stadios next week? <laughs> Someone replied and said, you had one job. One job. <laughs> so there you go. Three straight stadios next week. Who knows? Got to it. Might get four. Oh my God. <laughs> Who knows? The poor feed. The poor feed. All right, everyone. Don't forget to check yesterday's Stadio. If you haven't checked it already about the Champions League, check Wright's house from Monday. We're going to be at the Women's Champions League semi-final, second leg between Wolfsburg and Barcelona this we are weekend. Indeed. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. We didn't even shout it out. Oh no, we shouted it out yesterday, Moose's piece. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But thank you. One quick shout. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. And check the Stadio Outro's place on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on a classic. It's the Vanessa Kendrick version of 90% of me is you. So we're Gorgeous. going to roll out to this one. Anything you want to add me, Sokwonga? Nothing further. Nothing further. You keep further. promising to add stuff and you just lie. <laughs> Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.